Yes. I am never going to get tired of how easy this is right now. God bless this new laptop. And I'm sorry I keep mentioning it, but here we are. You know, it's exciting. Hi, everybody. Welcome back again to Oddities. Hey. I am Cassie. I'm Anna. And, oh, welcome back to Strange Town. Mm. I suck. Oh, and I forgot to mention all of our shit last time. They know what to uh, do. You know what to do. And if you'd like to donate to our show, please visit our Patreon. The information is in the box below. Follow mm-hmm. us on social media as well. And as always, a big thank you to our donors. And as a thank you, you get bonus content every Wednesday. That's right. Yes. So, I would ask how you are, but I already know, because we're recording back to back. That's right. <laughs> if you guys don't know, we pre-record, and we like to double up, because we are going to be taking a little bit of a holiday break here. You guys holiday. won't know, but we will. Right. We will. We'll be a uh, donut. All right, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, you little sausage pop. All right. Little turkey legs. Tip-tap. Tip-tapping away. Tip-tapping. All right. So, yes. So we're taking a holiday. And we're going to have a little time off, but it won't matter for you. It'll be like we never left at all. That's right. Because we're good like that. Right. But we we are doubling up and pre-recording, so we've... But uh, I'm fine. My couch comes tomorrow, and they just... Literally, in between our recordings, they just texted me and they were like, we're coming between 8.15 and 11.15. How is that a window of time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, fine. Also, my... You you get to enjoy your couch then for most of the day. I know, but my panic is that the people who are coming to take my couch are coming in that exact frame of time. Oh, shit. Well, that's for them to worry about, you know? But it's just like... If if the movers come here with their couch and the people who come to take my couch aren't gone, I'm going to be like, uh, you got to move this couch in the hallway and then put my new couch and then they can take the other couch. That's going to have to be how it goes. I'm just going to have to be like, hi, you're going to have to help. Like, I'm the only one here. Like, you guys are going to have to help me. Yeah, sorry. I, you know, my extra arms didn't grow in today and I can't lift this fucker by myself. So Right. Also, couches are very heavy. There's a lot to a couch. We love a good couch. But I, that's that's all. In between our episodes, I was like, oh my god, they're coming at the exact same time. Oh no, okay. Well, don't, don't panic. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be fine. If anything, <laughs> I'm just going to have them move the old couch into my hallway and I just won't be able to get to my bedroom. It'll be... <laughs> it'll, be a, a, it'll be an advanced ropes course to get to my bedroom for a little bit. How exciting. We love a good obstacle moment. That's right. Um, yeah, that's, it's just, I I can't wait to have a new couch. I'm so excited. Yes, but, I'm excited for you. But that's really, this is the most stupid, it's so weird when you think about as a kid, you being an adult, you're like, what, oh, like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then as an adult, you're literally not doing anything other than be like, God, I can't wait for my new couch. Like, you're just excited about the lamest things. Well, I'm excited because my my family in Chicago for Christmas sent us an air purifier. I so love really, that. I'm really pumped about that. Yeah, so we've got that baby up and running in the kitchen. You see what I mean? This is... I'm. Uh, 
my childhood self would be like, you're excited about the lamest things, but this is what's you exciting suck. as an adult. Yeah, <laughs> it is exciting, you know, whatever. Air purifiers, new couches. We love it. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that, we love it, that. Do you notice a difference? Uh, I mean, we just started it like yesterday afternoon. Oh, 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 oh. So, I mean, not yet, but I'm fully anticipating a difference because like, we have, I mean, we have pets. We have, like, this is an older house, and, like, we get, like, congestion a lot, stuff like that, right. so I'm really hoping it helps. And then my parents got us an extra space heater and an extra humidifier, so we're set. Oh, my God. You guys have all the cool electronics. We got some cool toys. That's nice. <laughs> wow, big shout-out to your fam. Yes, thank you all. Love you the wow. most. So, yeah. I mean, that's, in case you guys were wondering, that's how me and Cassie are doing. And that's that, yeah. We're um, just busy being quiet adults. Yes, by the time this airs, I was supposed to have been on my honeymoon in Jamaica, and guess where I'm not? Jamaica. <laughs> that's all right, next year, baby. That that's just gives right. me more time to buy sunblock. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you or go. whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. everything else about you is ready. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so but I'm actually uh uh no jokes. When this comes out, I'm very excited because I kept all of my like my two week block basically at work. Yeah, that's nice. I just kept it on the calendar. So like I I basically I have so much time off for the first time in so long. I'm not gonna know what to do with myself. Of course I am. I first always of have all, something to do. Let's yeah, exactly. Let's not joke <laughs> around and pretend like you won't have a million things lined up. <laughs> I will be making some Christmas cookies, and guess what I'm going to try go. and make? Lara Jean's fucking eggnog-ass cookies mm-hmm. that she didn't give me the fucking recipe to. That's I right. still haven't emailed this Jenny Han. <laughs> Just you wait, bitch. If <laughs> you going. guys... If you guys aren't subscribed to the Patreon, and I, honest to God, I'm so sorry. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast, although I think we may have. Cassie hinted at it. (laughs) Cassie has a new revenge scheme against this, (laughs) to all the boys we've loved before, the franchise book series, because they didn't give her the cookie recipe they wanted. Those fuckers. Why didn't anybody ask me? And you know what else? So like Corey, Corey and I were taking a quiz the other day. I found it on my phone. It was like, which Greek God are you? And I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And like one of the things was like, what's one of your worst traits? And it like listed a whole bunch of stuff. And then it was like, uh, like you're vengeful. And like, so I was like reading them and I was like, God, I don't know. I feel like I'm <laughs> a few of these fit the bill. And Corey's like, you're pretty vengeful. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but there are worse things that could be. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but do you want to mention that right now? I'll remember this. (laughs) I'm writing this one down. So, anyway, Jenny Han. Wait, what what Greek god did you get? Oh, gosh. I don't remember because we did this a few weeks back. I feel like I got, like, Medusa. Oh, that's such a good one. Love that for me. She's a very misunderstood god. She is. So, like, I was, like, cool with it. Um, I don't remember who Corey got. Also, she has the Either... dopest power. Did I get Did I get Medusa or did I get Athena? Oh, Athena's another good one. Wow, you got baller ones. I, yeah, it was one or the other. Uh, so, I mean, I was happy with my result because, like, a lot of times I take... I'd like to take these quizzes just for, like, time killers and shit. And a lot of times I get responses and I'm like, that's not fucking me at all. That's bullshit. I just <laughs> but love... I was happy with these. 
I just love the idea that like I take those quizzes and if they're not what I think, I'm like, this quiz isn't right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Who the fuck made this piece? Of How shit? dare you? This isn't yeah. right. Swipe out. You guys call this a quiz? Bullshit. Fuck you. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Well, that took a turn. That's right. Well, since it's around Christmas time, we, uh, also, happy whatever you celebrate. Happy whatever. That's right. But we, yeah. uh, because it's around the holiday season, we chose slightly uh, holiday-esque topics this week. Yeah, I mean, mine, mine strays away from the holiday, but it's uh, religious in nature, so I was like... Which, which, mix. by the way, if that's not the fucking definition of December, I don't know what is. Yeah, it strays away from the holiday, but it's religious in nature. That's December. That's it. So, yeah, um, I think I. So I started last time. Would you like to to have the honors this time? Sure. Mine's da, 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 da. mine's a little short. I'm gonna be talking about the twas the nightmare before. Nope. I fucked it up. I fucked it up. <laughs> keep it, keep it, keep it. Twas the nightmare before Christmas. God damn it. I just combined this poem with that movie. Twas the night before Christmas. Wow, that came out so naturally. Twas the nightmare before Christmas and oh, what the fuck. And oh, what the fuck. <laughs> Not a creature was stirring. Not even a duck. <laughs> All the duck dog. <laughs> just chilling so <clears throat> now that i fucked up the name here's a little tidbit about the name She's that back. isn't the real name of it that's it oh right but the night twas the night before christmas isn't either right oh okay what is it really called the name of the poem is a visit from saint nicholas which actually on oh. the day we're recording which is december 6th it's actually saint nicholas day today Wow! Uh, happy Saint Nicholas Day, and we, so exciting. And my family, are big Saint Nicholas people. We always celebrate Saint Nicholas Day. We even did growing up. Do you really? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. We we don't. So, what do you guys do? You do the the night before Saint Nicholas Day. You it's like a Dutch tradition. You put your shoes out, or if you're in my house, you put your shoe on a paper towel on the counter. <laughs> I love that. Love it. But basically, St. Nicholas comes and puts treats in your shoe. Wow, I wonder why shoes. I think because the the it's something to do with the Dutch and their wooden shoes. Their clogs? Yeah. I can't totally remember, but yeah. It was basically like a, ooh, but St. Nicholas was, like, he would come in advance. That's which I thought cute. Was like cute. Love that. Yeah. It was like a way to, like, ease yourself into the festive spirit. See, so what we did is, all right, just a little detour real fast, everybody. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, we yeah. did is throughout the month of December, elves would come and put a little something small in your stocking. Yeah, so, so there you go. Yeah, so we would do that, um, which an, an elf came and put something small in Corey's stocking yesterday, but he's choosing to wait to open it until Christmas. But that's fine. <laughs> she doesn't hate it, writing it down in her revenge notebook. <laughs> Vengeful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He he told me I'm vengeful, and then he wouldn't open what his elf left. <laughs> That's cool, though. I'm happy to have him wait. Or, I mean, the elves are happy to have him wait, too. Right, right. You know, right, yeah. Right. Fuck. Um, right. So, 
the this poem has been called quote arguably the best known verses ever written by an American unquote and is oh. largely responsible for some of the concepts of Santa. Oh, Santar. Which I think is Love interesting. This. That is interesting. Also, if you guys don't know what poem we're referencing, it's Twas the Night Before Christmas and All Through the House, Not a Creature Was Stirring, Not Even a Mouse, blah, 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 blah. That whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That whole song and dance. So nearly 200 years after it was published in the New York's Troy Sentinel, we have no fucking clue who wrote this poem. Oh, fuck, really? No So idea. they're just this big-ass hotshot. Well, they're dead, so they, you know. They're for sure dead. Say lobby and possibly reborn again, if you'd like to go back and listen to the reincarnation slash geezer bandit episode. Yeah, but and that's also inadvertently very Christmassy. <laughs> fa la 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 la. That's right, because Jesus was like, "I'm coming back, baby." <laughs> Swiggity swooty. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm done dicking around, and I'm listening. <clears throat> So on December 23rd, 1823, there is no name attached to it. It just shows up at the New York's Troy Sentinel. I love that. 13 years later, Clement Clark Moore, a professor and a poet, is named as the author. Well, okay. Well, so many years later. And so many years later, I feel like maybe Clement is getting more credit than he deserves. Clement is getting a little too much clout. That's it. Clout for Clement. That's right. Apparently, a housekeeper had sent this poem in, and he'd originally written it for his kids, and she sent it in without his knowledge. That's a ballsy housekeeper. I think she wrote it, because she's like, let's look at the time, shall we? She's a female, Mm -hmm. and they weren't giving credit to females, and so she's like, I'm going to do it under this dude's name. That's not even a theory, and I like that one the best. Thank you. <laughs> so in 1844, the poem was officially included in an anthology of Moore's work at the request of his children. However, the family of Henry Livingston Jr. claimed their father had been reciting a visit from St. Nicholas to them 15 years before it was published. Oh, fuck. Okay. Apparently, four handwritten copies exist, three being in museums, including the New York Historical Society Library the fourth copy is written out and signed by Clement Clark Moore as a gift to a friend in 1860 and was sold to a private collector to another in December of 2006. How much was it worth? Just, I'm wondering. Oh, are you going to give it to me? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Dollar, dollar bills. It was purchased by an unnamed chief executive officer of a media company who okay. resides in New York City. <laughs> who the fuck is that? Okay. And it was there's purchased. Of, I feel like there's a bunch of them. Right. And it was purchased for $280,000. What the fuck is it like to have that kind of cash to buy a piece of paper? Also, he could have, he wrote this technically, wrote it out in 1860. Mm-hmm. He could have just been like, now it's popular and people are saying, I wrote it, so I'm going to write it and then <laughs> sign it. Like, he yeah, could have right. not been the author. A hundred percent. And this fool pays 200-something thousand? That's why. 280,000. 80. To a chief executive officer of a media company. That's absurd. Wow. So wow. here's here are the two arguments, right? We got two camps. We got the Livingston camp and the Moore camp. And the third camp. 
The housekeeper. The housekeeper. I love that. Big fan. Huge. Thank you. So here's the Livingston Camps argument. He came from a Dutch background and many references in the poem are Dutch as well. I'm pretty sure St. Nicholas, like that, that whole tradition that I was talking about, that's Dutch. Yeah. So it's all of Dutch origins. Apparently the reindeer. Love you. Apparently the reindeer names appear nowhere else before the existence of this poem, which is interesting. Glad we we threw some names down for those bad boys. And are spelt in the Dutch way, which was later transitioned to the German spelling due to more. So they're saying the OG spelling was Dutch. Livingston is Dutch. So at least four of Livingston's children and a neighbor said that they remembered Livingston telling them the tale of St. Nick as early as 1807. And this was published in 23. They said they had proof, a dated and handwritten copy of the original poem with revisions and scratch marks throughout, but then the house burnt down, taking the proof with it. (laughs) Ooh, yikes. Okay. So there that goes. There's that. Up in flames, literally. Right. When a Vassar professor analyzed poetry by both authors, he declared it virtually impossible that Moore could have written the poem, the style of the Christmas favorite being completely different structurally and content-wise than anything else Moore had written, but completely matched up with Livingston. Hmm. Okay. Mm. So here's Moore's camp. Here's the Moore argument. Okay. Moore is the one that stepped forward and said it was his, although literally anyone can do that. And 13 years later, when it's safe to assume no one else is going to, because no one else has, yeah. and it's now become right. popular. And this is our time to shine. Right. Moore was good friends with Rip Van Winkle author Washington Irving, which could have explained the Dutch references in the poem, as Irving was involved in the Dutch culture and traditions that appeared in New York State. Okay. He also had close ties with someone who allegedly showed the poem to a Sentinel editor. And that's huh. it for the Moore camp. So I have some some last little tidbits and then and then we can get to your thoughts. All right. So McDonald P. Jackson, an emeritus professor of English at the University of Auckland, has spent Ooh. his entire academic career analyzing authorship attribution. Which I think is wild. That's really cool. So he wrote a book titled Who Wrote the Night Before Christmas? Analyzing the Clement Clark Moore versus Henry Livingston question. Okay. Published in 2016. In which he evaluates the opposing arguments and for the first time uses the author attribution techniques of modern computational stylistics. Oh, I don't even know what that is. It sounds very mathematical and wild. That does. Does he run it through a program? I think so. Cool. So he employs a range of tests and introduces a new one, which is statistical analysis of phonemes. Phonemes? Phonemes. I don't think I'm saying that word right, but... We're saying it. And he concludes that Livingston is the true author of the classic worth. But basically, it's too far gone now. To determine yeah. the truth any other kind of way, but I'm I'm behind our man Jackson. Yeah, I'm I'm Livingston Camp. I mean, if I if my camp can't exist in which the housekeeper wrote it, then I'm pro Livingston and not this Clement fool. But I have to say, I like the housekeeper argument for several reasons, but also because we no one can disprove that. 
Right? I'm just throwing my hat into the ring, people. I mean, I just, love. Uh... Yeah, my ranking of of votes go: Housekeeper, Livingston, someone Ooh. else, and then more. <laughs> and the, yeah, yeah, more is like down there for me. I don't really like him as a figure. I think he's a shady individual. Is the sense that I'm getting. And I think to back up his claim that he wrote it, they're all very, like, they're stretches. They're so wobbly at best. And, um, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think uh, there's going to be a new book on the scene by yours truly. I'll it was tell the you housekeeper. The fucking, you know, it was the housekeeper. It was the housekeeper in the Moore house. <laughs> That's it. With the quill. Up on the rooftop, clip, click, clip. That's click, right. Click, and click. that's... I, uh, what is it? Clip? Click. It's click. Oh, yeah. It's click. Clip yeah. worked. Yeah, you know, whatever. Clippity it's clock. a sound. That's not even part of that, though. Oh, you're right. And I, and that just occurred to me. For some reason, it was part of it in my mind. But then I was like, no, it isn't. That's from, like, up on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's that's the Twas the Night Before Christmas poem, a.k.a. A Visit from St. Nicholas. That's very interesting. Right? I never knew that like there wasn't like a true credit to whoever wrote this. I, yeah. That there's debate behind it. That's so cool. And it's very wow. very popular. It is. I love that poem. It is. It's it's like so sweet. It is. It's 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 a fun little with a also, little hint of mystery to it. You know, yeah. Je ne sais quoi. I. It just occurred to me. Why. During this time, if you listen to our episode last week, I talked about the Nutcracker. Why are we always associating mice and Christmas? I've had enough of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Why? What are What are these guys doing? He's. I, what are they doing the rest of the year? Why, why? Why are they always involved? That's a good point. Because most of this shit came from like 1800s when everybody had a, a wild mouse infestation. I guess. I guess. I don't know. They were just like, oh, the mouse lives here too. Not a creature was stirring. Not, well, mice, you know, they're trying to get cozy for the winter. Right. With but their like, seven what's heads. What's up with the mouse king last time? Why Where? Why all the heads? Why did we create the hydra of mice? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> unnecessary. And if you don't why? know what we're talking about, go back to last week's episode. Go, go give it a listen, kiddos. It's, it's a doozy. Wow. Yeah, I love so that. That's the that's the poem. Well, that's like ha- kind of happy and all. Mine's really rather dark. And so that's Christmas. And that's Christmas, and that's oddities. So here that's comes right. the Queen of Darkness herself. Here we the go. The always vengeful Cassie. <laughs> She's opening her notebook. She's checking it twice. <laughs> One of my favorite things that you've said on this podcast is when I was talking about Roanoke and I went off about how that professor gave me a B (laughs) and you were like, B's for bitter folks. (laughs) (laughs) So identified with that. Because I'm telling you, Um, you opened the notebook, you were like, that's it. That professor's name went in it. Dr. Mulcahy. See what I'm saying? (laughs) You know? Oh, I don't forget. Okay, so here we are. The notebook is opening. The, the notebook has opened, and I'm bringing forth a dark, dark topic. And I just want to say, first of all, because we like to preface some of these topics, like, this box that I'm about to cover is supposedly one of the most haunted artifacts in the world. 
if you are someone who is like concerned about these things, you don't like to discuss these things, you don't like to hear about these things, you know, you can you can cut me and, and call today and I'll see you next week. That's fine. So just as a little little yeah. something. If <clears throat> if our episodes that's... are are ever too much, you know, we'll give you yeah. a little warning and you can cut and run. We won't take offense. Yeah. We care about you. you That's know? right. We care about your well-being. <clears throat> That's exactly it. So this, this, I was going to say this month. This month, no, this episode. This month. I, I am covering the Dybbuk box. So in Jewish mythology, and Dybbuk uh, is a malicious possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. I didn't even know your soul could dislocate. Well, your shoulder can, so I guess your soul can as well. Guess so. Here we are. Um, And it supposedly leaves the host body once it has accomplished its goal, whatever that is. Sometimes the goal is that it needs to be helped. That's like a common theme for this. So for these dibics. So here's a little history. The term dibic first appears in a number of 16th century writings, though it was ignored by mainstream scholarship uh, until a play called The Dibic, uh, popularized the concept in literary circles. And then earlier accounts of possession, uh, such as that given by Josephus, were of demonic possession rather than that by ghosts. So this is like a ghost possessing someone rather than a demon. So we have like an actual human figure possessing, which I kind of like that. Like I I like a vibe with that, you know? Well, and I think in, in, and please someone, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the, somebody in the, in the Jewish culture, they believe that their idea is the the idea is that they your body is like for rent. That's mm-hmm. why you like can't have tattoos and things like that because it's you're you're essentially just like your soul is just moving from one thing to another, and you know you have to leave your body for the next soul. And I think you that's can't a, rent. You can't rent the tux and make a bunch of alterations. You know that's exactly right. I think that's a fascinating idea. So, of course, they have a soul that's like, I'm about to fuck your shit up. Like, of course, that's... Knock, knock. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, so... And, like, you know, I, like, buy more into that concept of, like, a a ghost possessing somebody rather than a demon possessing. Big time. If I were to believe more in the two, I Mm -hmm. think I'd believe more in, like, a human soul going into another body rather than this otherworldly whatever. I also so. fully believe that a human soul can do more damage than a demon could. Hell hath no fury. That's right. Just consult Cassie's notebook. Let me consult the notebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. So accounts such as this, like talking about Dybbuk's and everything, advocated orthodoxy among the populace as a preventative measure of, you know, avoiding one of these babies showing up. So, for example, it was suggested that a sloppily made mezuzah or entertaining doubt about Moses crossing of the Red Sea would open one's household to Dybbuk possession. And very precise details of names and locations have been included in accounts of Dybbuk possessions. Uh, I'm going to fuck up this name and I'm so sorry. It's Rabbi Yol Teitelbaum, the Satmar Rebbe, (laughs) fuck, is reported to have supposedly advised an individual said to be uh, possessed to consult a psychiatrist. Oh. And that's a very forward thinking. We I love taking care of your mental health. Well done, Rabbi. So, 
In Jewish mythology, apparently there are other forms of soul transmigration. Love that term. I do too. Um, in contrast to the Dybbuk, there's something called an Iber or Iber. I don't know. I'm really sorry, but it means impregnation. Uh, and Ooh. it's a positive possession. Nope, not possession. Possession. <laughs> um, which happens when a righteous soul temporarily possesses a body. Uh, this is always done with consent. And so the soul can perform a mitzvah or like a good deed. We love this. I think that's really cool. I also love that it has to get consent from the body. This is cool yeah. as hell. Right? Um, there's something called a gilgul, which I'm sure I'm not saying that right either, so I'm sorry, but it means rolling. It puts forth the idea that a soul must live through many lives before it gains the wisdom needed to rejoin with God. So wow. they like they have kind of like a little bit of a, like a little spin on like reincarnation, kind of, sort of. I- I, I love that idea. I think it's so interesting. But because I feel like an old soul, I'm like, I'm not doing a damn thing right. <laughs> I, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that in a big way. Um, some psychological literature considers Dybbuk's to have been described as hysterical syndrome. So I like that they tie in this, this psychological aspect, too. I think that's great. I love that the rabbi said, hey, go talk to somebody, you know, you got a Dybbuk. I, I love how grounded this is. It is. This is, I mean, it. don't get me wrong. There are kind of like some supernatural elements here, but like this feels way more like present in reality to me than like anything else. Big time. You know? So onto this, this box, the Dybbuk box uh, is a wine box, which is said to be haunted by a Dybbuk. <laughs> Love that it's a wine box. <laughs> I mean, I know same. If you're, if you're going to haunt anything, wine not a wine box <laughs> i hate myself so um <laughs> i know so the the box actually gained notoriety when it was auctioned on ebay with an accompanying horror story written by kevin manis and the original this served as the original inspiration for the 2012 film the possession oh but the dybbuk box is in fact supposedly a real thing it's it's like this actual so I got a legend. I got some history. I'm coming for you. So. Yeah, yeah. The term itself, Dybbuk box, was first created, like I said, by this man, Kevin Manis. And it was used to describe this wine cabinet um, in the item information section for an eBay auction. And is the subject of his original story describing the paranormal events that he attributed to this box. Um, now, Manis is a writer and creative professional by trade. So we must keep this in mind. But... There are other mm. people outside of him that also have this shit, so we'll see. Um, and he owned small antiques and furniture uh, refinishing business in Portland, Oregon at the time. Like, I guess that was like a side gig. I don't know. Whatever, Kevin. You do what you need to do. So according, right. to, according to Kevin's story, he bought this box at an estate sale in 2001. It belonged to a survivor of the Holocaust in Poland. Uh, and her name was Havila. I, th- I hope I'm saying that right. It's H-A-V-A-L-E-H. Havila is how I'm pronouncing it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. I can't, I can't, can't be consulted on this. Yeah, right, right. So uh, Havila escaped to Spain and purchased it before her immigration to the United States. Um, her granddaughter told Kevin that the box had been bought in Spain after the Holocaust. Upon hearing that the box was a family heirloom, He offered to give the box back to the family, but the granddaughter insisted that he take it, uh, saying that the family didn't want it. And she told him that the box had been kept in her grandmother's sewing room 
and was never opened because a Dybbuk was said to live inside it. Fucking so, so what does Kevin do? Kevin does what very likely you or I would do. He takes the box and he opens it. <laughs> of course. God damn it. I would do exactly that. <laughs> I probably would too. So he, he writes that he found um, two pennies from the 1920s, a lock of blonde hair bound with a cord. That's creepy. That's creepy to me. Zoinks. Right? Um, let's see. A lock of black brown hair bound with a cord. A small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom. A small golden wine goblet. One dried rosebud and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Sounds like some occult shit. I don't know. We got hair in here. We've got this octopus thing. We got the the goblet. I don't know. It's some wild shit in here. Yeah. I. This does sound very occulty. Yeah. So... Manus wrote, Manus as in Kevin, uh, wrote that he experienced a series of horrific nightmares shared with other people uh, while they were in possession of the box or when they stayed at his home while he had it. So, like, everybody was having, like, these same nightmares and they all had to do with the box. Um, And his mother suffered a stroke on the same day he gave her the box as a birthday present, October 31st. Uh, Every owner... Halloween, I know. Every owner of the box, because there have been several people who have owned it since him, uh, has reported that it smells of cat urine or jasmine flowers, and they all have nightmares involving an old hag that accompanies the box. I have a really quick question. Yeah. How does one identify cat urine? Oh, it does have a very distinct, really nasty smell. I can verify. It's very, like, uh, ammonia type of smell to it. It's nasty. But, like, what's weird to me is that some say it's cat urine, some say it's jasmine flowers. Do jasmine flowers smell like cat urine? I don't think so. I've never smelled cat urine, but I've smelled jasmine flowers. And they smell pleasant, I'm assuming? I think so, yeah. Okay, cat urine is not pleasant. So, yeah. um, But I think what's interesting to me is everybody supposedly has these nightmares with an old hag. Everybody that has this box. That's interesting to me. So That is interesting. So, Josef Nitzke, probably butchering that again, is a student at Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri, and is and he's the last person to have auctioned the box on eBay, claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his house and his hair to fall out. Jason Haxton, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, had been following Josef's blogs regarding the box, and when he was ready to be rid of the box... Um, Nitschke sold it to this Haxton guy. Haxton wrote something called The Dybbuk Box, I guess a book, um, and claimed that he had subsequently developed strange health problems, including hives, coughing up blood, and head-to-toe welts. Yikes! The thing that's crazy to me is this is a director of a, of a museum of osteopathic medicine, so clearly somebody who's, like, interested in the sciences and, like, fact right. and medical, and then he develops this shit. Um, he consulted with rabbis, to try and figure out a way to seal this box again. And apparently uh, they had success with it because he took the freshly resealed box, hid it at a secret location, and he would not reveal it. And then he later donated the box to Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures to display in his museum. Stop. Good old Zachary Bagel Bites shows up and gets the Dybbuk box. So Bagans uh, has some stories surrounding it too, so we'll get there. But like, 
I just think it's really interesting that there have been numerous owners mm-hmm. who, like, all are experiencing these things. And then this guy, I mean, one guy, his hair is falling out. The next guy, he gets the box and he gets, he's coughing blood. He's got welts. He's got all this other shit and there's nothing yeah. else wrong with him. That's crazy. And also, you're you're right and that that's a very good point, is that he's clearly someone who's not going to be like, oh, I'm getting all these weird symptoms. Like, he clearly understands medicine. He understands how the body works. He's not yeah. just going to start freaking out over nothing. Because when I first started reading about this thing, I saw that Kevin, he's got this creative background. He's a writer. I was like, he wrote this shit so he could sell it for a lot of money on eBay. A thousand percent. But then I see these guys, and they have all this shit going on. I'm kind of like, all right, maybe Kevin did have some shit going on. And then his, he gave it to his mom, and she had a stroke. But, like, also, Kevin, if you knew this box had some shit, why would you give it to your mom? A very fair point. What gives? What the <laughs> fuck, Kevin? That's rude, Kevin. Um, all right, so let me talk about our good old friend Zachary real fast. So, Zach Bagans has acquired this cursed object. And once he acquired it, he himself, Zachary, the museum staff and visitors have all experienced black shadows, fainting, feelings of sickness, anger, anxiety, and more. <laughs> there have also been holes in the wall near the location where the box is, um, as if the entity is trying to escape confinement. Hmm. Now. I don't know how much of that I buy. Right. So here's my thing. If you go to see Zach's museum, I want to see his museum just because, like, it'd be fun and goofy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you're people who believe in this stuff. That's right. Uh, and we've all talked about the power of mindset, you know, and everything yep. else. And so if you go into this thing and you're like, I know the Dybbuk box is there. And I, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I, I started feeling weird. Th- I mean, the mind's right. a powerful thing. Yeah. S- I Susceptibility do- is a hell of a drug. I do buy what was going on to those other guys when it's like physical shit like that. Yes. I mean, I mean, why, where is he going to, how is he getting these welts all over his body? These hives, he's coughing up blood. I mean, right. And, and the fact that it happened when he got the box, I don't know. It seems very strange to me, but like, you know, these people that are like, I feel sick. I feel faint. Right. Like, like come know. on the holes in the wall. I'm sure Zach probably just punched the wall or something. So, right. Here's an interesting fact. There are actually 10 Dybbuk boxes in the world. What? Each one aligns with the tree of life concept from the Kabbalah and, or is it Kabbalah? I always say Kabbalah, but anyway, the basis for Jewish mysticism. That's interesting. I know. So the Travel Channel kind of did like a feature on it because, you know, Zach. And supposedly, Zach had... Post Malone on his, like, show and was doing a whole thing with this box, right? And so after being with Zach, and after he touched the Dybbuk box That's for the first the time... That's the stupidest guest to have talking about this box. I know, why do we have Post Malone here? But anyway, Post Malone believes he was cursed, because after that, he had a series of unfortunate events, including his plane's tires blowing out, his Rolls Royce was in the car accident, and his former house was robbed. But also, like, these things happen... Right. You know? I don't know. And also, now, like, is... maybe you're getting robbed because you're Post Malone, not because you interacted with a Dybbuk box. A box. Right. I do think it's interesting, though, that there are ten of these in the world. I always thought that there is was one. Now, there's a skeptic named Chris French, who is the head of the <laughs> Anomalistic Psycho- Psychology Research Unit at Goldsmiths College, which, like, love that that's a research unit. Can I get in on that? Uh, he told an interviewer that he believed that the box's owners were, quote, 
already primed to be looking out for bad stuff. If you believe you've been cursed, then inevitably you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to be the cause. Bingo! Put it like this, I would be happy to own this object. The term is now used to refer to any box supposedly holding a Dybbuk. Um, so, there is like a one set of like weird occurrences that supposedly happened on the set of The Possession, which is the movie that was based around this box. Mm-hmm. So, supposedly it happened around three or four times. Um, and this is one of the actors and it was saying, I've been on movies for a long time now and I've never seen a 5K light explode in the middle of key scenes. And this happened three or four times in a closed studio without doors open or fans nearby. Suddenly, a gust of wind would come from nowhere. The last thing I'll leave you with and let you all freak out. All of our props, the Dybbuk box included, were put into storage in Vancouver so we could go back if we had to to do reshoots and we'd have everything there. A week after we wrapped filming, the storage unit burned to the ground and it was investigated. It was not ruled arson. It wasn't an electrical fire. It started from within. So... But I think that the skeptic makes a really, really interesting point. If you're going to go into this with this bad, you know, looking for bad stuff to happen, mm-hmm. it's true. Now, but and I know I keep using this guy as an example, but the guy who was like the curator for that museum, could he have been, you know, could he have manifested, or manifested, manifested hives, things like that? Yeah, if you're like really stressed sure. or anything, you can break out into hives. Sure. Coughing up blood? I don't think so, so much. The only thing that that I'm... Because I'm a big person that I do really believe things become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Which is kind of in line with what that guy French was saying. I think that... Like, I think when people go to mediums and to shit like this and they're looking for something, you're probably going to find it. Probably. But, like, also, if he didn't have anything else wrong with him, like, why... The only thing that I'm wondering with the coughing up blood is, was there corroboration in it? Like, did he go to a doctor and see a doctor? Or is it just him saying it? The other thing I'm wondering, too, and this is taking it, like, a little bit out of the realm of, you know, all this, this, like, psychological side of things, is what if there's, I mean, this is an old box. It's been through a lot of hands. What if there's, like, some kind of mold or, uh, like, bacteria or fungus or something Ah. associated with it? That's triggering some of these symptoms in people. Right. That's interesting. That's just something that I thought of when I was reading about all this. Because I was like, okay, like like we've talked about, your mind can do a lot of things. I don't think if I think hard enough, I'm going to start coughing up blood if he did no. in fact do that. I but don't think so. I, I do think that there are certain microscopic things out there that can cause a lot of these symptoms. Right. And there's no, like, no one's cleaning this box. No one's cleaning this because it's an artifact. It's, you know, we want to preserve it. We want to whatever. And so I can't help but wonder, like... That's such a good point. Now, supposedly, I mean, I'm just assuming at Zach's museum, maybe it's kept behind some kind of a case or something. But if it's out in the open, then if there is something on it, then maybe, yeah, people might start to feel faint or feel a little funny if they're around Mm -hmm. it. They might inadvertently breathe it in. If it's cased, I don't really know. But if that's the case, then I think it's all in their head. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know if anybody's actually really, like, considered the concept there's maybe something growing on this. It's old. It's gone through many countries. It's gone through many hands. Like, it just... Right. It's been stored in attics. It's been stored underground. Like, it's been stored in all these strange places. Like, I don't know why... 
That's such a good point. Why, thank you. (laughs) But, like, that is true. That's so interesting. And that could be why people are developing these things that they don't understand. Because who knows what that box is coming into contact with. Yeah, these supposedly healthy people. And then all of a sudden they're getting these very strange symptoms. It's like, well, did you guys, like, I don't know, swab it? Right. And it's, I mean... I think a year ago I would have been like, oh, yeah, sure, blah, blah. I mean, I definitely would have believed it. But now with COVID, I'm like, who fucking knows what could be developing? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, this is the problem is like, like our science courses that all of us receive and things like that, like stuff like that's overlooked. We learn the powerhouse of the cell and we learn this and we learn that. But we like, we don't learn enough about like microbiology or things like that, you know? Or virology or, you know, any of that stuff. So I just think that it's maybe something that people are overlooking. And I think that's very true, especially if he opened it and it hasn't been opened because it has this mythology behind it. Who knows what the hell's in there? Right, Especially from hair. Like, ugh. Yeah, if we're all having dreams about this old hag. That's... Also, like, here's the thing, too, like... If you're giving the box to somebody, if you're sharing the story of it, mm-hmm. like, would you not, like, I don't know, maybe mention that? And then the seed's planted. You know, dreams right. are weird. You can That's pass right. a face on the street, not even recognize it, and then they show up in your dreams. It's... Right. So, yeah. I want to believe that there's maybe... Like, I mean, I like this Dybbuk concept. I think it's I do a really too. cool concept. Do I know that I believe the Dybbuk box is mm. a thing? No. But I do no. like the concept of that, that you know, like... Within Judaism, they've developed this whole Dybbuk. I think that that's really interesting. And I, I like that there's, um, I'm I'm not going to be able to pronounce the word, but I like that there's a counterpart to it and that it's like a good possession. I think that's yeah, I so think it interesting. Was, the, was it the Gilgul? I closed out of my notes, but I think that's what it was. Yeah. And so like, I like that there's like a positive possession and they're like, I got to yeah. do something good. Let me in. And they're like, okay. You know, I like that they ask. And I I love that that's ingrained in the culture that the body and the soul are separate. I think that that's so interesting. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just, I think as a topic overall, no, it doesn't really tie into Christmas. But yeah, there are some religious undertones there and everything else. But I think it's interesting. And like, so like I said, I think it it ties into the holiday season, I think. Yeah. You know, and I think that there are like a handful of concepts there that like this can be explained away by but i mean nonetheless that that this single box this strange thing that was supposedly picked up at an auction has has accumulated all of this like yeah folklore surrounding it i think it's really interesting you know this family that that sold it they were probably they never would have guessed that this would have taken off like this i'm sure and i i just think it's wild that it was her granddaughter that sold it right her granddaughter sold it yeah Can you imagine that? Because, like, I think of stories that my grandparents have told me and how they they just stick with you. And I just feel like that idea that he he tries to give the box back and she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, my "My grandmother told me wild shit about that. No, 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 I don't want it. I don't want it. (laughs) Grandma's been through enough. She doesn't want the box back. You know. God bless. Yeah. She's like, just get it out of the house. She's tired. She is tired indeed. So. That's the Dybbuk box and Dybbuk's in general. That's so interesting. Many thanks. Wow, I love that. Oh, that's such a good one. Also, if Thank you. if if we have any listeners that know more about this and that are of the Jewish faith or were raised with the Jewish faith, please let us know. I'm very interested in this. 
Oh, yeah, and I'm sorry if I got, like, any of the facts wrong or anything, but, like, you know, I'm not Jewish, and I'm sorry if I fucked up, like, the words, I don't speak Hebrew, but, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a cool topic, and I, and, you know, based on what I read, I very much like what I was seeing. It's so interesting. I love that idea, which I have to say, I am, I'm very much an atheist, but I, uh, Christianity, we're, we suck. (laughs) <laughs> we don't have anything cool like that. We're like, oh, it's demons, and they're all—they have wings and claws, and they're all strange. And meanwhile, in in like Jewish people are like, no, no, guys, guys, they're they're people, and either they need to fulfill a goal and they're not so nice, or like it's a really good person, and they want to do something, but they want to do a mitzvah. I like that and way I, better. And I just love the idea that rabbis are like, you should go see a shrink, maybe. Yeah, maybe talk to a psychologist. They're I like, love that. Also. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has read the end of the Bible, but it reads like a Game of Thrones chapter, so... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so... <laughs> so I don't know how great we're really doing. Also, <laughs> Christianity as a whole, historically, not great. The The way they spread it, what they did, none of it's great. It's a messy history. It sure is. Yeah. But um, anyway, this is our final episode for 2020. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That is um, fucking wild. We, uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, be smart when you're celebrating the new year, please. Please, please. Be considerate of others. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll see you next year and let's hope to be better in 2021. Right. And gang, if you're going to celebrate the end of 2020, please do it so that 2021 can start in a better way. Please. Okay. Yes. Yes. If we don't all need to go out and celebrate the way we have. I understand everyone's disappointed, but like maybe put this on a hiatus so we can get through it. Jesus, pick up some drinks and celebrate at home. If you want, go get a popper and set one of those off. Right. Like let's let's take a hiatus on celebrating in our very normal ways so that we can have big celebrations later on. Okay. Yeah, and also uh, you know, soapbox aside. I also want to take a second to thank everybody who has consistently chosen to listen to us throughout this dumpster yeah. fire of the year. You guys are the best, and we're so happy that you've chosen us. And uh, we hope you're happy with it. We would love to hear from you more. And, um, you know, we'll see you in 2021. And we hope that we can continue to bring you some laughs and comfort through whatever is headed your way. Yeah, we're going to be here in 2021, and we hope to see you, and we love you. Much love. And until next time, stay strange.